Welcome back to another episode of Mysteries of Histories. By now, you know what we do. This is the podcast that dives into the strangest and funniest mysteries in our shared history. Today, we head deep into the wilderness of motherland Russia, where a party of hikers were found dead in what is now known as Dyatlov Pass. The nature of their deaths was anything but normal, which has led many throughout the years to speculate what happened at the foot of Death Mountain in the winter of 1959. So kick back in the DeLorean, and of course. Welcome back, Commander. This is my house tells mysteries. Ah, Fact, fantasy, and history have come together to tease the imagination. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Try House Tells Mysteries of Histories. Today we are talking about the incident at Dyatlov Pass. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matthew McKay. I'm Kevin C. Frederick. And I'm Jeremy Honey Bunches of Votes Griffith. Uh, back for another one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Woo! Damn it, I forgot to do uh, Kevin Baby Dick Frederick. Baby Dick Frederick. <laughs> I know, I thought you were going to do that. <laughs> I forgot. You should grow up every episode where it's like Kevin Toddler Dick. Kevin Pre-K, oh, Pre-K dude, Dick. Kevin Toddler Dick sounds so much worse than Kevin Baby Dick. <laughs> One day you'll get to Kevin High School, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One day you'll be at Kevin High School Dick and like you're like, that's just my dick now. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> all right all right we promise that there won't be yeah, many less more dick, dick jokes, jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll try to keep it minimal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so uh let's let's get into uh just uh what is uh the incident at dietlov pass and so we're gonna start with a little bit of an intro get you guys get your your juices make you interested in in what exactly happened because uh, this is a, a little bit this is less known. This is less known. It's it's very similar to the Donner Pass, actually, except it didn't involve any cannibals, anything like that. That we know of. That that we know of. I mean, hey, they were missing certain body parts. So, uh, yeah. Dicks. What's up with that? Dude, when we when I said <laughs> they were missing, Less everyone was missing jokes. their dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Kevin has a necklace of all of them. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> when i saw that we were doing diet love pass though it just made me realize i think because things between russia and the states have always been so tense like i really i haven't heard much about this country at all you know and like and like things that have happened there so i was like oh damn that's crazy yeah everything's a mystery yeah but anyway yeah. iron curtain's still like there but like in a different form yeah so let's let's go back to February 26, 1959. Winter is in full force in the vast Russian wilderness. The wind howls, blowing gales of sharp snow and ice across the mountains. The Soviet police receive a call on their landline. The search party has found the abandoned campsite of 10 hikers slash skiers who had been reported missing a week ago. The inspectors take their time arriving to the site of Kolok, Kolot, Siak, yeah, Jesus. The Russian's so hard to pronounce. That name it's sounds col- so made up, dude. It sounds like a chocolate. I know! It sounds like someone just put it through a, like a random generator. Kolatsyakil. Where the hikers set up their last camp. In their minds, the inspectors' minds, they've already solved, solved this case. Hikers go out into a previously unmapped route, set up camp during a brutal winter night, and die of hypothermia. 
There's no hope of finding them alive. Case closed. When they finally get there, <laughs> I, exam- I love how like <laughs> I love how easy that is. Like in the thing, it's like okay, there no chance. Case cl- it's done. We we give up. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we haven't even so, seen them. We, <laughs> we haven't I know. The bodies. It's like <laughs> it's too cold out here in Russia. We have no budget. We're too busy. You know, <laughs> living in a. Let's just. Uh, are, are these people really important? We have like way more millions anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was. I mean, they Soviet Russia, man. Yeah. Uh, they, they, I don't think they really had a budget. I don't think they, they didn't really have much of an economy. Unfortunately, that's nah, wild to imagine, man. It is. How did they function? Yeah, dude. If anyone out there has not seen Chernobyl, oh my god, go watch it. It's great. Eye opening <laughs> into like Soviet, just how like the Soviet government ran. Totally inefficient. <laughs> Including me and Kevin, we have to watch that that shit still too. Yeah, yes, I'm not yes, seen yes, it. yes, you do. <laughs> so when the invest the investigators finally get there, they examine the campsite and find something very odd. The campers' tents were torn open from the inside, their supplies in a heap as they seemed to have quickly fled their beds as if driven out. Following the trail of footprints made by the hikers, the investigators find their three bodies, all barefoot and only wearing their underwear. But this is expected. One of the symptoms of hypothermia alongside confusion, slurred speech, and clumsiness is a kind of hot flash, which makes an already disoriented sufferer believe they are burning up, oftentimes stripping to their birthday suit in an attempt to get cold. So another three actually shared this fate as well, another three of the hikers. Then they came upon other bodies in a ravine buried by several feet of snow. These bodies bore strange fractures of their skulls and chests. Weirder still, some of them were missing their tongues, both of their eyes, and even their lips. What's up? Was that a gag? <laughs> Dude, something savage happened to these hikers for sure. Oh, absolutely. Dude, fucking uh, abominable, I, abominable. What is it? The abominable, abominable snowman. Also, dude, I didn't know you could have hot flashes from cold. I, that's like a new thing to me. Hot flashes from cold? Like hypothermia? Yeah. Dude. I don't know. I, I think it's hot just, flashes were just like, yeah, and hot. It's so, oh, well, you learn yeah, something no, new every day. <laughs> it's, it's like ironic, right? That hypothermia yeah. makes you feel hot and that you'd actually feel like you're burning up and then you take off all your clothes. It's just like, I mean, man, if, if I saw someone, if I did not know the, the, the effects of hypothermia and I was living in like the 1500s and it's similar to like the dancing plague, you know, yeah. I, I would think that if I saw a bunch of people in the dead of winter, and they didn't have any clothes on, I would think witches, hands down. Yeah, like, yeah. what is this? It's very witchy, man. It's a very, Burn very them. witchy time. Burn very them. witchy behavior. Burn, Burn them the Russian steak. witches. Burn them all. <laughs> the Russian um, so, witches. <laughs> after the examining all 10 bodies and the strange nature of their deaths, they opened up an investigation, a Russian investigation, but Ooh. it bore no fruit. Like the Donner Pass, the area where the <laughs> skiers passed had been named after their leader, Igor Dyatlov. From then on, it was known as the Dyatlov Pass. And the incident was known as the incident at Dyatlov Pass. And the true nature of their death, so inventive, (laughs) and the true nature of their death would never really be ascertained, but that did not stop a lot of people from coming up with some great freaking theories. Because there's a whole lot of weird stuff that we didn't mention in this little intro that we're going to get into. Can I just say, dude, right. whoever whoever made the name 
of that past, we need to get in contact with them to name the episodes of our podcast because <laughs> yeah. it's just so inventive interesting. <laughs> yeah. What a visionary. What a visionary. <laughs> Should have been called like Eyeless Pass or something. Eyeless Ugh. Pass. Oh, God. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. Stop. Oh, God. Dead Man's cringe. Walk. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Man's <laughs> Walk. But, but that's, that's actually more interesting. Of a Caribbean feel. It's like they, the, they the, died. The Eunuch exactly. Canyon. <laughs> the Eunuch. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, actually, interestingly enough, the, actually one, the, the mountain, actually, the mountain that they were, like, a couple miles away from, because that's, I believe, what they were trying to reach. They were trying to reach this mountain first, and then they were going to head back to the, the town that they started from. And the mountain's name was, it was Mount Ortoten. It was... Ortoten? Yeah, it, was, it was in <laughs> Russian. It's, it's Gora Ortoten, which means Mountain of the Dead. Wow, oh. that is that, that sounds like a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, it does, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds safe. <laughs> Russians are like, well, we're probably gonna die of the cold anyways. So, <laughs> like, what are you gonna yeah. do? Might as well make what it a hike. Do? Actually, technically, they were skiers. When I say hikers, I, it's kind of like they they were skiers, hikers. For real. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, for real. Oh, okay. Um, but let us start from the beginning. Igor, and are we sure it's Igor and not Igor? I just, I just want to. Dude, I think I only say Igor because of uh, Young Frankenstein. You know, where he's like, he's like my name. Wait, right? He's like, Igor or Igor is like uh, Dr. Frankenstein or Dr. Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein. And he's like, no, my name is Dr. Frankenstein. And then he's like, and your name's (laughs) Igor, right? And he's like, no. No, it's Igor. <laughs> That's because so funny. He's, yeah, no, okay. So it's probably Igor. <laughs> it's probably Igor. I just say Igor because of the movies. Okay, well, I'm going to say Igor Dyatlov, a student at the, the Ural Polytechnical Institute with a grade two hiker certificate from the Soviet Union, approaches nine classmates with a proposal. They will finish up their 190-mile requirement to get their grade 3 certification. These also were not just any hikers. Grade 3 was the highest possible certification by the Soviet Union. This route would start at the perimeter of a small town called something I can't pronounce, but I'm going to try. Vizai? Vizai? Sorry. Hey, you know what? That sounds reasonable. Yeah. I believe that is a Vizai. Town. Vizai. Yeah. Uh, and would take them deep into the northern regions of this Sverdlov <laughs> Obast you know what? I think it's a, a blast. I ob- think it's a blast. Ob- ob- yeah, I, you know what? It's they're going to the northern regions of something really Russian, up to <laughs> up to Gora Oratin, which is the uh, which is the mountain that we were just talking about, and the far reaches of the Russian wilderness. Uh, the route was approved by this. Oh my God! By the Silver so- Lost <laughs> Committee of Physical Culture and Sport two weeks previous to the start of the expedition, and as soon as they got word, they traveled to Visay to begin, which is that little town that they were going to start from. But before they left, they told select friends that they could expect a telegram as soon as they returned to Visay on the twelfth of February. There was an air of excitement as the party donned their backpacks and laced their heavy leather boots they purchased loaves of bread and scarfed them down to keep their energy levels up before making their first steps you can hear the you can hear the them marching to their death so one down two days went by and the first test began one of their members yuri udin who suffered from a congenital heart defect struggled to keep up with the group and the howling winds blowing at below zero he turned back, claiming it was because of severe knee and joint pain. 
a decision that saved his life. The nine continued on without their friend, arriving at the perimeter of the wooden highland. They made a descent down, making camp in a sparsely forested area that night. Diaries and cameras found in their final campsite allow us to get a clear picture of their route and the conditions faced leading up to their deaths. On February 1st, the party awoke and continued their trek through the pass. Only due to severe snowstorms and the subsequent whiteout, the party deviated west. Before they realized their blunder, they were already several miles off course, and with the sun setting, they decided to camp in an area poorly shielded from the elements. A mistake that would prove fatal. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That means so they died. For all of our listeners that never finished high school, fatal means death. <laughs> On February 12th, two days before the Day of Lovers internationally, when no telegram was sent by the party, Yuri thought a little of it. Oh, they're in the whatever, they don't have a telegram, eh, no big deal. Igor even said it himself that he expected it to take longer to return home as the conditions were worsening. But after eight days passed with no word, that's crazy to imagine. So day six, day seven, should we wait another, another day? Let's, let's give it another day. Maybe they'll be okay. So it took eight days, but the families of the party finally called on the Soviet police to begin a search party. Uh, they only recruited students and teachers from the Institute at first because we all know that students and teachers are the most capable trackers in Russia. <laughs> but they were soon aided by the Soviet army, equipped with helicopters and planes. That's what we like to see. That's what we're talking about. And so on February 26th, I think that's six days of searching. Is, does that math sound right to you, Matt? Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. There we go. A campsite was found. One of the investigators reported that their tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty. <laughs> snow with vodka laced around it. No, that, that vodka's not real part. Um, Russian it was, snow is vodka? Yeah. <laughs> it's just crystallized. That's how cold it is. It just freezes the vodka into snow. Um, it was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. That's the weirdest part. Why are all their belongings there? Oddly enough, they found the tent had been torn open from the inside. So were they trying to escape something, you know, they're trying to escape the tent for some reason? Um, and even though the tent was covered in snow, the nine sets of footprints still marked the snow. So they could see, oh my god, there was a foot here, there was a foot here. And they found bodies laying at the end of the trail that were only wearing socks or were entirely barefoot. So were they murdered by a shoe thief? You know, who who knows? Russian shoe. They were all wearing Jordans and somebody was like, Give me your Jordan, suckers. Pop, 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 pop. And it's like took them all and ran away. Um So Dyatlov Pass is actually uh, in a downtown industrial city in America. And many <laughs> many of their bodies, though their positions varied. Uh, it was like a game of like Twister. They're like, what, what happened here? <laughs> um, their positions were varied. They were found near the wooded area one mile from their camp. So, uh, so they were all near together as if they had traveled or been moved together. Uh, and maybe they could have you know, been seeking some semblage of refuge from the harsh conditions. And two party members actually did reach the edge of the forest. 
had made a small campfire, but the campfire was not enough to keep them warm as both Krivonyshenko and Doroshenko sound like fucking figure skaters. They were both found dead around the fire, wearing nothing but their underwear. Oh my gosh, were they boning each other just before they died? And they were like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. Let's have some decency. Put on your tidy whities The world may never know. And uh, the investigators noticed that (laughs) the tree that shrouded the small fire had several of its limbs broken, suggesting that one of them have attempted to climb it, possibly hoping to gain a vantage point or reach some berries at the top of the tree. And uh, three of the members of the team, including Dyatlov, were found in between the wood and the tent. And the way their bodies were angled suggests that they were trying to return to the tent and died midway. And it, they didn't find every single body right away. It actually took them several days, all the way till May 4th, because many of the bodies were buried under about four meters of snow. And um, Wait, some, it, however... Wait, this was in February, and then it went all the way to May? Oh, or was that supposed to be March 4th, Matt? Uh, no, that's, that's May 4th. Holy shit! So it took them fucking over two months to find all of the bodies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so some, however, were more equipped to handle the cold than the others were because they were better dressed. So, you know, this indicated some other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of nuts to me that they would spend so long looking for these bodies. I mean, I I probably would have given up after I found the first four where it's like because I'm pretty sure those are the ones that they found almost immediately. Yeah. And then it took another two months to find the other bodies. I probably would have just given up, but like, like, what was their motivation for staying there and and continually trying? It's because they wanted a closure. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like at that point, yeah. after a month of searching, it's like, all right, we can't find them. Yeah, and and you know, too. I mean, I don't. I mean this in the most objective way possible. But what I know of the Soviet Union isn't necessarily a high value of every single human, human life. life. You know, yeah. and so the fact that they were willing to exhaust those resources for these people is yeah, very even the curious. Military. Yeah, and, you know, and so maybe the reason why they were so adamant on finding everybody is tied to one of the theories that we're going to get into later. Um, but you know, the fact that you know we we found the bodies kind of separated and in different states of disarray and dress, this kind of indicates that you know the people who were kind of better dressed died first. And um, they, oh no, sorry, who were worse dressed died first, and the other people took their clothes. <laughs> and to yeah. be like, all right, we're gonna last a little bit longer. What I don't get though is like, if it if they died days apart, why didn't they try to get further away and like get get somewhere else instead of just hunkering down? You know. I think they did though. They they traveled the ones that were found. I think late. Well, it was less than a mile, right? They were all like within a mile yeah. of each other. Which is like, I feel like if you have days, it might mean that there maybe, maybe it wasn't days. Maybe, maybe it was only hours. Yeah. Yeah, There's no way it was days. They would have gone back to the tent to get their stuff. Yeah. Or maybe they just had to hunker down. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Dubanina, you know, for instance, was one of the female members and she was wearing a burned pair of pants and one of her feet was wrapped tightly in a jacket, you know, just really trying to stay warm. So. Yeah. A very peculiar situation. Dude, there should have been like a, a Michelangelo painting of just the bodies strewn out, like a fucking jacket tied around someone's foot, somebody missing a fucking knee. <laughs> <laughs> a snake grabbing one of their crotches. 
Yeah, it's called the last. <laughs> it's called the last shot of Stoli. That's the title of the painting. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> All right. So uh, the investigation found a host of strange things after examining the bodies. With the initial five bodies that were found, a medical examination found that none of them died of an injury, only the effects of hypothermia. While Slobodin had fractured his skull, the medical officers concluded that it was not severe enough to cause his death. The four bodies that were found in May, however, began to worry the officials that perhaps hypothermia was not the only thing at play. So one of the guys, Thebea Brignolis, his skull had a massive fracture. Dabinina and Zoloteryov, their chests had been crushed. All three of these contusions would have required tremendous force equivalent to that of a car crash. Yet none of them had skin lesions associated with the fractures as if they had been crushed by extreme pressure like those found deep under the water. Yeah, that's wild, huh? Yeah. And their faces, however, did actually have such lesions. So Dabinina, why is her name so hard? Dabinina was missing her eyes, her tongue, and a section of her lips. Zoloteryov was missing his eyes. Alexander was missing his eyebrows, which is so random. But Soviet forensics uh, believed these injuries occurred after death. This was because of their position according to them, in the ravine that they were found in. So here's, here's a little roundup that was reported by journalists at the time of these findings. Six died of hypothermia. Three died from fatal injuries. Visible footprints indicated that the only people present in the area were the nine party members. One of the members' clothing gave off high levels of radiation. What the fuck? What the Vosrozirdeni, in an attempt to dispel rumors that the Mansi people, so this is one of the officials. Uh, so he said, he stated an attempt to dispel rumors that the Mansi people, who are a tribe of reindeer herding people in the area, uh, to dispel rumors that they had murdered them, made a statement that the three victims with fractures could not have been killed by human hands due to the severity of the breaks and the lack of skin lesions. And did all that make sense? I know that was kind of a lot of information. Yeah, it makes sense. It does, it does. They, their bodies were, they were, they were it just, it was weird. Like they were missing. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. It was weird. It was weird. It, it, there's a fungus among us. It was a us. weird situation. <laughs> a fungus among us. Yeah, it's weird, weird. dude. Actually, weird. there Fucking were cool. there was some weird gray foam stuff, like fungusy stuff, found in one of the victims' faces. Gross. Yes. So there is a fungus among, among us. us. <laughs> uh, fungus among us. At the end of the day, the investigation ruled that the skiers had died by a compelling natural force, and they closed the case. All case files were shipped to a secret archive. One of the weirder things that is on April 12th, 2018, Zolterev's corpse, which was eyeless, was exhumed by a Russian tabloid where they ran the body through several tests. What they found was shocking. The DNA analysis they performed on the body did not match any of his living relatives, suggesting that this was not the real Zolterev. Though the facial reconstruction of his face match those of photos from the pre-war uh the tabloid journalists believe zolterev who skied through the dietlov pass was not the real zolterev and was someone who was hiding under his name in 2019 near the anniversary of their deaths the russian government reopened the case only to conclude that they died either from an avalanche or a hurricane 
A hurricane in the middle of Dyatlov Pass? That's so silly to imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, that I, might I, be like maybe like a translation error. <laughs> it's yeah, it's trans- like a snowstorm. It's like, oh my god, this thing uh, came all the way from Alaska just to kill us. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. But now we move on to the theories. Wait, dude. Before we move on, can I just say it's so funny to me? Compelling natural force, as if the natural force was like trying to convince them to die. It's like, come on, you guys. Just, like, all right, <laughs> you've you convinced us. Christ compels you. Yeah, to die. yeah. We've been compelled. <laughs> <laughs> it is oh odd God. phrasing. So the theories, the KGB versus CIA theory. Alexei Rakitin put forward a theory in his book Dietlov Pass. In it, he writes about how the party that traveled the Dietlov Pass might have actually been contracted by the KGB to uncover a group of CIA agents. This is this is uh, it's, cool. it's just like a James Bond episode. Exactly. <laughs> this is except metal. I guess that was MI6. <laughs> Details. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, but it's in the in that realm. Their mission was to deliver radioactive samples and to take pictures of these American CIA agents. Only the CIA discovered them first and then killed them. Apparently, only one of the two members actually knew their true purpose. And this kind of falls in line when you consider the radioactive clothes, the gray foam that was found on Doroshenko's face, and the fact that one of their cameras was missing. Well, I mean, it'd also just be fine to, hard to find a camera. Furthermore, remember Zolterov? Well, he was a 37-year-old bachelor who was a veteran of the war and who joined the group at the last movement. So war guy turned KGB uh, he also had a strange tattoo it said <laughs> it says something that even Russians would find hard to pronounce uh, to this day no one knows what it means mainly because I can't pronounce it but uh, it would be so funny if it was just like some random drunk tattoo that he got and and everybody's like, oh shit, this guy must be KGB or something. You see that tattoo, and it's just like yeah. a, some drunken mistake. Uh, also, Col Colvet. Oh my god. I, I Col, Okay. Also, Kolvetov. Kolvetov. Col yeah Kolvetov. Another member of the party worked at a top secret facility that was working on atomic science. Then there was Yuri Krivenshko who also worked at the nuclear power plant and Mayak, which had a nuclear disaster second only to Chernobyl. And then Rakitin doesn't believe this to be a coincidence, but the hiking party was simply a guise for a secret operation. He believes the CIA discovered the ruse, tortured and killed them even as they tried to run away, which would explain like missing tongues and missing yeah. eyebrows, I guess. I, you know, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> burns and stuff like that mistaken for prisoners hold on <clears throat> mistaken for prisoners <laughs> so <laughs> during this time the gulags dude i know the gulags are such a serious thing but the name just sounds like like a vegetable you know it's like ooh, the, the gulag <laughs> the gulags hey, it sounds like like a stew you know like a, yeah. like a like a mutton or something. Oh, yeah, gulag, yeah. Yeah, oh, the gulag. It sounds like such a harmless name for such a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. All right, so. Ha, the gulags of Soviet Russia were just winding down with the death of Stalin. Yet, many criminals were still being held across the Siberian region, which is a very big region. <laughs> and so, <laughs> some people hypothesize 
that the nine hikers were mistaken for escaped gulag prisoners from a nearby camp in Ivdelag, which was located only a few miles away from the campsite. So in that instance, maybe the guards killed them and then realized, oh my god, these aren't prisoners, and then ran away. And, and stole some of their socks, though, beforehand. <laughs> um, and alternatively, they could have been attacked by... <laughs> oh, no, this is a big mistake. Quick, grab sock and we run. <laughs> um, they alternatively could have been attacked by escaped prisoners themselves. Although there were no reports of escaped convicts around that time, but that could just be a cover-up because it was not unheard of for escaped convicts to hide in the wilderness for weeks, months, and even years. You know, they could have been living on it for a long time. Or maybe guards just, like, didn't want to admit that they let prisoners escape. So they were like, oh, we don't know who did. Who knows? Um, who knows? Yeah. Who, who no, that's knows? a good idea. No, that's a fantastic point, dude. Because, yeah, uh, that was one of the big things about Russia, why they were, like, so inefficient, why there was so much corruption. is because people didn't want to own up to any of their mistakes. Because yeah, then they wouldn't just, get that promotion, or else they, or they might be blamed for it. And yeah, just afraid a, of getting shit demotion. on. Did I just say demotion? That demotion. Is what, what is it that's called? That's a word. Yeah, that's demoted. Demoted. Yeah, okay, cool. Demoted. You got demotion. demotion. Yeah. <laughs> you got a demotion, okay. bitch. So, um, when Yuri inspected the belongings of his friends, he noticed a strange garment that he knew was not any of theirs. It was called an obmotki, which also sounds like a delicious pastry. Uh, but what it really is, is a large piece of cloth mostly used by military or by gulag prisoners. Ooh, a clue dun, towards dun, the nefarious dun. demise of... Da, da, but then da, da, again, Zolotryavala, yeah, Zolotaryav, he was, he was military. So he, it could have been his from the military. It's yeah. possible. He just left oh. it over, left it over. <laughs> yeah. So a KGB veteran, Vladimir Nagaev, put down his own theory in his three-volume series, The Half-Life of the Cabina Group, where he describes a group of trained individuals who were partaking in a government-level scientific experiment. They were apparently going to Mount Ortorten, which means Mountain of the Dead, as we've described, as we've discussed, to release radio probes in unpopulated areas. The launching of these probes used a radioactive isotope called 5-sulfur phosphorus. This chemical can cause death and quickly oxidizes while in the bud, sorry, in the bud, in the body, dissipating. In the bud. <laughs> it's this quick bonding that would make it difficult for it to show up in a toxicology report. Its effects on the body, however, are still very present in the body that it's affected, namely pulmonary edema, expansion of the heart, bloated organs and dark blood the dyatlov group did have damage to the organs because they did say that they were they had pulmonary edema they had swollen organs and they had dark blood which is all in line with five sulfur phosphorus poisoning nagaev states that a snow mist mixed with radiation can cause this highly toxic formation of sulfur dioxides so that might have been why they died yeah, but then that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why their body was cr- why their bodies were crushed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it just sounds like there, there's just so many clues for so many possibilities. It's just insane. It's like it's a terrible thing. Re- regardless of what it was, terrible things happened to these people, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, Kevin, do you actually want to do that? The the fucking Russian because I'm gonna actually talk right after that. Yes. 
Fucking Russian. It's it's a fucking yeah. Russian Yeti. We're going to talk about a Russian Yeti. A fucking Russian Yeti. He doesn't actually fucking. fuck you. I just I like I just wanted to say <laughs> that it's a it's a it's a it's a fucking Russian Yeti. Dude, now I can't <laughs> now I can't unhear. I don't think anyone was taking that literally. I, well, now I, now I can't unhear it. I just imagine a Yeti that's like, "Come here. Come here." <laughs> oh god. Uh, oh god. Oh, t- okay. When I found out one of the students was missing a tongue, immediately I knew this was not caused by an avalanche. Something ripped out the tongue of the woman. Lebecki Yetis. Lebecki Yetis, bro. Is that is that what is that Lebecki? No, it is was that, just it was just is Lebetis, that Russian for or Lebecki. Fucking. No, no, no. Lebecki Lebecki is uh, an acquaintance of of the group. Oh, got it, got it. Who she went she went on air because uh, there was a there was a documentary that was released. It was called The Russian Yeti, something like the the horror still lives or something like that. But uh, there was also the whole reason why that was even a thing is because one of the cameras were found by LeBay Brignoles. And uh, anyway, um, do you want to describe what the picture looks like, Kevin? Looks like a fucking Russian Yeti. It's <laughs> it's I mean, or it looks like a human. Yeah, like, it's it could just be like a human that's just very poorly exposed. I mean, it looks like a furry thing, but this could also just be a poorly exposed image. Like the snow isn't overly blown out, so maybe it's like it just the person looks darker. Maybe that's not fur. That's just like they're just darker. I I don't know. And this person might have a beard. It looks like yeah. or yeah. I I I don't know. It this it could be. It, it, you know what? It could be. It could be. A, it could just be one of the fan, uh, one of the members of the party. It could be, or it could be a fucking Russian Yeti. Or it could be a fucking Russian. That'd be sick, though. That yeah. would be sick. That's a crazy looking member of the party. You know, if that is a member of the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right. no doubt, it is one hundred percent real. Lebecki says. So Lebecki yeah. believes <laughs> it's a it's a fucking Russian Yeti. So, we're going to get into a few more of these crazy theories. So, the first one is shrooms. Oh, such a good theory. <laughs> so, Fly Agaric or Amanita muscaria are very toxic mushrooms, but if you dry them out, they become way less lethal. Um, a better way to reduce their toxicity is by feeding them to reindeer, because the reindeer just get high and then pee it out. But since they have this unique digestive system, it filters out most of the toxins, which means their magic pee, quote unquote, is a safe way for humans to get high. So you oh drink. My <laughs> God, I know that right? is simply incredible. <laughs> so. Man. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to drink this uh, reindeer piss because, hey. Life is shit, and I yeah. want to get high. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to have a psychedelic experience, okay? <laughs> yes, from reindeer peace. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that is fucking nuts. Yeah, and it was a popular thing, especially among some of the more kind of like tribal communities in the wilderness, in the hinterlands of Russia. And so there are two theories about the mushrooms. So they both come from Svetlana Os in her book, Don't uh, Go Svetlana. There. Yeah, Svetlana. Ooh, baby Svetlana. Why did you leave me, Svetlana? Ah, <laughs> <With> my vodka <laughs> not enough. <laughs> um, so she believed that the Kanti hunters, so, you know, just barbaric local hunters, 
took some fly agaric to get themselves in a killing mood and then killed Rustem Slobodin with a dynamic head kick. And that's what she writes. Oh, <laughs> yeah! I just imagine, like, a Chuck <laughs> Norris roundhouse kick. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and now you're dead. It just made me think of, like, what does what does an undynamic head kick look like? Just, like, yeah. a really awkward, <laughs> he falls over after he attempts it, as opposed to just, like, a fucking, like, a video game clean. He lands on the floor. He's like, that's right, I'm Kanti Hunter. I give you dynamic head kick. Now you're dead. Um... <laughs> And they, okay, and her and she hypothesizes they inflicted the chest injuries by jumping or bouncing up and down on the chests of Yuri Doroshenko, Lyuda Dubanina, and Semyon Zolotaryov. You know how we talk about Occam's razor? That does <laughs> yeah. not fall in line. That is so out of left field. And then she's like, okay, so first a dynamic head kick, then do like a jumpaline bouncy bounce on the chest of people. <laughs> it was like the original teabagging in video games. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, and then so Svetlana goes, the county hunters wanted to avoid shooting so as to foil investigators, which is why they sanitized the tent area, covered their footprints with snow, and made the cuts themselves. They forced the hikers to discard clothing and footwear, which is why Dyatlov's jacket and flashlight were found outside the tent. All right, very imaginative. I think she follows the Zetetic method, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I think I saw. Also, by the way, Earth is flat. Thank you for my dissertation. Also, Earth you. is flat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so if Conti hunters did stalk them, uh, maybe there were some unusual lights in the sky that night, and the Conti shaman interpreted this as permission from the spirits to kill the hikers. Because in the Kanti tradition, that mountain was sacred and forbidden to strangers, especially to women, because these were very not sexist people. And <laughs> nobody in general was allowed to gaze upon the majesty of the mountain. And so the okay. only... Oh, sorry? No, no, no. That just hey, I'm starting to kind of buy this a little bit more. Yeah, it's like a little bit of the, the, the spirituality. Uh, Svetlana Os also presented a, a clue, a bit of a hearsay clue. Uh, there was a man drinking, <laughs> a man drinking alcohol in a pub slash bar, uh, drinking a, <laughs> the freaking, the reindeer vodka pee cocktail. <laughs> and um, he was telling a story as drunk guys drinking piss often do. <laughs> and uh, he said <laughs> he said he had just purchased a rifle from a native, one of the Conti hunters, presumably, and said the native had witnessed the incident himself and recounted it to him. So oh, Svetlana shit. heard a story based on a story based on a witness and then presented that as evidence for what she believed happened. Uh, great investigative huh. journalism. From Miss Oss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really a primary source there. I know, not at all. And then so the second mushroom theory, which is a lot quicker, is just that the group themselves ingested the uh, the mushrooms either on purpose or accidentally, and then suffered delirium and sweating with acute doses. And this would account for what appears to be the bizarre behavior of the group that night. They were tripping out hard. They took off their clothes. One of them thought you wear jackets on your foot. And they die. <laughs> <laughs> That's not worth 
freaking jackets go. <laughs> you, those go jackets go around your shoulders and arms. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, goose. come on, Babushka, come on. You've had too much of the agaria. <laughs> You've had put too down much the of the reindeer, reindeer piece. piece. <laughs> put it down. Put it down. Okay. Uh, uh, who wants to do Avalon? Oh no, Anna. Who wants to do Kevin? I think it's Avalon. Popcorn right? Kevin. The second theory, the avalanche theory. Is the area avalanche prone? No. Was the cliff nearby particularly tall or steep? No. Do the hikers' diaries report a fairly thin snow cover? Yes. Yes, they do. Huh. <laughs> but a thin snowy cover does not an avalanche make. But it's theoretically possible there was a small avalanche. This could damage the tent and create havoc among hikers who were suddenly trapped underneath several feet of snow. It would certainly explain why the tent was cut from inside. Also, how did they know the t tent was cut from the inside? Dude, who knows, man? Dude, Russian ballistics analysis. For, yeah. like, a, a tent is very thin. <laughs> it's not like you can tell if it was cut from the inside or the outside. You know, okay. But anyways, they... Okay, so if there was a small avalanche, they would have had to flee for danger of a second avalanche. Or they could have. During the flee, they made the fatal mistake of descending into a valley of the Losva River where they died. Which is why we said it was a fatal mistake earlier. And again, <laughs> fatal means death. You die. Uh, for all of our listeners who uh, did not graduate high school. Um, or have yet to graduate high school. For you younger listeners. Yeah. Um, we no have fatal. no younger listeners. Yeah, well. We swear too much. Although our probably, humor is in line with a young listenership. Young listeners. <laughs> exactly, all yeah. those dick jokes. All the like dick history. jokes. They don't like history because they have to go to history class like twice a week right now. Oh, but once they're not we class, make history hip and fun. Yeah, I've, yeah. Learned, I've learned much more about history with you guys than I did during all my studies of those gross textbooks they give to American public schools. I would yes. actually agree with that. Yeah, dude. Now, what are this theory's gaps? The footprints left by the group indicate everyone seemed to descend with relative ease. It is highly unlikely that people with bones or organs crushed by an avalanche would be able to move like that. <laughs> but evidence indicates these badly damaged hikers walk quite easily. Secondly, these men and women were experienced and well-trained. They were on their second round of certification. They're about to get their third. They <laughs> knew the chances of freezing to death are worse than those of being avalanched to death. <laughs> you've so, been avalanched. Yeah, you've been avalanched. Uh, they would have to had. They would have carried all their warm clothes and footwear. You would think. Thirdly, pictures show their gear still vertical weeks after the tragedy. The entrance of the tent is elevated, and only the middle portion is collapsed. So, yeah. The avalanche theory actually doesn't sound that good. It would only explain one part, and that is, like, the damage to their internal organs. And, like, the pressure and stuff. And the tent, yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of it. Yeah, But not yeah. all of it. Yes, no, makes no sense about the radioactive clothing. Granted, one guy did actually work in a nuclear facility, but that was he wasn't working at the facility then. So, and this is where this gets real interesting. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Trihouse podcast if not for this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Photo 33 looks something like a UFO which they think scared the hikers away. So photo 33 is just one of the photos that was captured on the cameras that they had. At the time, the Soviets launched several rockets from Baikonur base, which may have been seen glowing and pulsating in the sky. Lev Ivanov 
was in charge of the investigation at the Dyatlov Pass. In the early 1990s, he told a local journalist the following. <clears throat> During our investigation, E.P. Mansilnikov and I both noticed that the pines in the forest were burned at the top. A.P. Kirilenko, member of the Soviet Congress, along with his advisor A.F. Ashtokin, forced us to take out any reference of this unknown object or any other strange phenomena. This included pictures of flying spheres drawn by the Mansi hunters and other testimonies. After this instance, Kirilekno became obsessed with UFOs, even filing several requests to gain access to the KGB archives. Well, that's interesting. So I guess the KGB wanted to keep this under wraps is what it seems like. Or, you know what actually makes a lot more sense with this one? Is mm. that, you know, there was the, the, the War of the Worlds whole ordeal thing, and I, I the Soviet people knew... Like, there, there was a whole thing, like... The Soviets knew that Americans, because of the War of the Worlds fiasco, where people killed themselves because they actually thought that an alien invasion was happening, the Soviets knew that Americans could be prone to hysteria that could cause unrest and, and even cause mass suicides. Um, so they might have thought that their own people would also maybe be susceptible to that as well. So if there was any, anything about UFOs or anything, it, does, it doesn't even have to be real. Just anything that might cause hysteria, they wanted to scooch it under the rug, right? Yeah. That's definitely very possible, man. Very possible. Yeah. So in 1990, Ivanov published an article, The Enigma of the Fireballs, where he admitted the same thing. When E.P. Masenlinkov and I examined the scene in May, we found this... What is wrong with my... Can someone give me a Russian accent really quick? <laughs> when E.P. Masolinkov and I examined the scene in May. You know, it's like you just... You just... Yes, yes, yes. Very, very. You, as if you're very, done very, to very, bear. Very. Yes. <laughs> when E.P. Masolinkov and I examined the scene in May, we found that some young pine trees at the top of the forest had burn marks. But those marks did not have a concentric form or some other pattern. There was no epicenter. This once again confirmed that heat beams of a strong, more completely unknown, at least to us, energy, were directing their firepower towards specific objects, in this case, people, acting selectively. Alien theory. Yeah, like an alien uh, destruction beam, or like desolation beam or something. Yeah. And so what I was hinting at earlier when we were like, why were they so intent on finding all of the bodies? I was thinking maybe if the government really did think aliens were involved, they wanted to make sure none of the bodies were abducted. Or maybe they wanted to see if there was any clues on the bodies as to, you know, foreign weaponry that killed them. You know, something like that. Possibly, possibly. Okay, possibly, and, possibly. Yeah. And so for the last theory we'll cover, which is weird as hell, uh, this is one on infrasound. So, there have been suggestions that an infrasound might have been responsible for sudden unpleasant feelings among the hikers. So there's new research into rare weather phenomena that has suggested that a quote-unquote perfect storm could have struck the campers in the night 
producing infrasound that panicked them so much that they fled the tent and fell victim to the brutal cold before they came to their senses. Dude, so, infrasound. It's like infrasound is you like infrasound is present in like the growl of a lion, which is why we fear it. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. What? I didn't know that. That's that's cool yeah. contextualization, you know. So yeah. there was some dude named Donnie Ishar who spent five years researching the incident, and he even undertook the dangerous trek himself just to you know see what's good in the pass. And he believes that a wind phenomenon called a Carmen Vortex Street could be responsible. So you're probably like, what the hell is infrasound? What is this thing in the lion's growl? So it is the opposite of ultrasound. Infrasound is a type of vibration in the air with a frequency so low it cannot be picked up by the human ear. But studies show that it can have marked effects on our bodies, including loss of sleep, shortness of breath, and dun -dun -dun -dun, extreme dread. And um, that's why Aishar believes it's the only logical explanation for the situation in which the bodies were found, because his theory supposes the Dietlov hiker's tent was directly downwind from the peak of the mountain, so it was far enough away that the winds themselves did not hit the tent. But it was close enough where they could kind of feel the effects of those sounds and, you know, and just hear the terror of the storm. And so a combination of the, you know, uh, infrasound plus the craziness of the storm, plus it's pitch black, plus it's cold, were the perfect conditions to just drive them all crazy to their deaths. And so Vladimir Gavreau, a French scientist, first noticed the effect of infrasound on his body thanks to a badly designed fan. Because uh, there was just something like just annoying the, uh, I guess, messed up in the laboratory. And the lab assistants began suffering nausea for no obvious reason. And he discovered that the discomfort was caused by the motor of a large fan, uh, large fan which was emitting the, that infrasound. And another study uh, in 2003 in the UK found that a fifth of people exposed to infrasound reported feeling anxious, scared, or unable to breathe properly. And there are also theories that infrasound is somehow related to ghost sightings. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't that technically... Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but wouldn't it technically only affect two out of the nine people or, you know, one in point whatever, you know? Well, if you're going by the results of the UK study, but if you're going by the results of the fan guy, who knows? Yeah, everyone was affected by it, or at least a lot of people. Yeah, it could have been yeah. a, a swath of the population who was particularly vulnerable. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, yeah. many theories. I oh know. Oh, my God. It's a complex one. So what, Matt? Are you trying to have a part two? Or do you, do you, should no. we wrap it up this week? Okay. I think we just wrap it up this week. That's like the end. Okay. Yes. We got through all the, so much information. Yeah. I'm proud yeah. of us. We've done the KGB well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, now oh, yeah. we drink reindeer piss. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Okay, so hot takes <laughs> <laughs> from that delicious reindeer uh, piss. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So what's uh, what? What are you guys' theories? I mean, like, which one do you? I guess that we have all the theories already laid out. Which one do you guys kind of subscribe to? It is cut and dry. Like on. It is this? cut and dry. It, it is definitely. I've got to stop doing this. Uh, it is definitely <laughs> a CIA KGB type of thing that went down. It's got to yeah? be like it's it's. Yeah. There, it is just too convenient. All the other ones are just too. Uh, all the other ones only cover a certain aspect of the disappearance or their deaths, 
Whereas mm -hmm. like the only logical explanation is that some people forcibly removed them from their tent, tortured them, and and then left them to die in the middle of the winter when they were done with them. But why would they but, why yeah. would they leave them to die? And you're you're forgetting like there was that one tree and underneath the tree was a small campfire where two of the bodies were found. So they were trying to start a fire at the edge of this woodland forest. Or the people so that tortured um, them started the fire. <laughs> just hanging out. I'm also wondering well, why would the yeah. Kate, what motivation would they have to kill them? You know what I mean? Because well, the they CIA. were found out. Because they were KGB. That okay. they were found so out. They so were, they were escaping. And then they were like, all right, time for you guys to fucking die. Yeah, because the radioactive clothes doesn't make any sense. It was probably Zoletyov or whatever the hell that guy's name is. Dude, yeah. You know what? I'm actually going to go with Kevin on this one and say that it was probably like a KGB, CIA sort of deal because, okay, you have the radioactive clothing, which is weird. That's so weird. Uh, and then you have the guy who is a part of the military. His blood, his DNA did not match any of his known relatives, which means that he might have been an imposter, a KGB agent who had taken his name. And then they doctored all the war photos from before so that his facial structure would match. Yeah, like it's it's it seems very it seems like there it was foul play like no matter how you look at it There was foul play involved and yeah. the most logical thing is if it was an undercover operation gone bust Okay, well my theory Aliens. Is uh, let me think reindeer let me think. piss Yeah, <laughs> reindeer piss So the aliens created the perfect storm that freaked out the hikers and then they came down to them in earthly forms and said, hey, if you just go a mile down, we'll have fires for you, we'll have your favorite mushroom lace reindeer piss, and to just escape <laughs> the scary storm. I'm like, okay, okay. And so they hiked, and they went down to the fires, and they were drinking the reindeer piss, and then the aliens were like, haha, just kidding, that's actually poison in the reindeer piss, and now you're gonna die. And they're like, oh no, why did you do this? It's like, we just wanted your fucking socks. <laughs> and then <laughs> they all die. They fuck the aliens, steal their socks, and they fucking tie a jacket around one girl's foot. <laughs> and they steal all their genitalia and make a necklace out of it. And just, um, since you said that, I just imagine all the aliens look like Dobby from Harry Potter. No, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. hey, Dobby, just Dobby, stealing Dobby. people's socks. Master gave me a sock. <laughs> yeah. Here's your reindeer um, piss. I know. And then they fled. And then they fled. And uh, that's my theory. Now, you know what I actually think happened? As much as I wish that was what happened, because that's like the most fun story I could think of. Um, I don't, some, something about my gut just tells me that it's the, uh, it, it was hunters. That it was mm. hunters like hunting the people and they were kind of fleeing and then they thought they had escaped, but then they didn't. And then they fucking got murdered by people. I don't know if it's the same shit as like, okay, they're stomping on their chest and like doing all these kinds of crazy <laughs> things like that. But, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, it, it just seems like simple enough that, like, they just got killed by some uh, natives protecting their territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that also sounds good. <laughs> but I'd like to think it was KGB and CIA, baby. KGB. <laughs> yes, no. baby. Okay. And then what's right, Matt's well, theory? Well, oh, wait, no, that, that was my theory. I went with the KGB. Oh, so, you agree yeah. with Kevin, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. But I think that kind of ends our podcast for the week. Yeah. It does. Well, hey. This was a good one. This yeah. was. 
Very Russian. I like Russian. I like reindeer piss. Yeah. Yeah. I do not like pronouncing Russian fun. names or places. <laughs> crazy names. It's crazy so places. Well, hey, now yeah. you're a little more exposed to that. Uh, you know, continue staying safe in this quarantine. Dude, my cousin just got married yesterday and it had to go to Vegas. And we watched it on a, on a live stream. And it was just like wild just seeing them wearing the masks. But then the minister wasn't wearing a mask. Mm. I was like, oh my God, fuck this guy. He should be wearing a mask. <laughs> so those two don't have to. So they could fucking kiss. Anyway. And then like uh, right when they, they stood up. Did they get to kiss? I didn't see because right after they did this like prayer thing and like these vows things. And they stood up and then the signal cut out. And it was just black. And they were saying like, Bruh. oh, it's because of the hot weather. But it's like, oh my God, gypped, oh. bro. We were gypped for sure. I wanted to I'm see sorry. the tongue. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let us do outro, babies. Uh, my name is Matthew McKay again. Uh, you guys can find us on Mysteries of Histories, uh, where we post uh, about uh, the upcoming episodes. On Instagram. Uh, yeah. On Instagram. On Instagram. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I'm Jeremy Honey Bunches of Oats Griffith again, uh, at Not Funny Funny Guy on all the socials. Thanks for tuning in for another episode, and we'll see you next time. And I'm Kevin C. Frederick. You just look at me up on Twitch and YouTube as Tryhouse. Do all Rocket League content, and I guess now Fall Guys. And um, oh wait, no, damn it. Uh, all right, all right. I'm sorry. Very smooth, I'm, Kevin. I'm Very Kevin. Smooth. I'm Kevin <laughs> B, uh, Toddler Dick Frederick. And, oh, there we go. And, <laughs> And you can find me at yes. Tryhouse on YouTube and Twitch. There we go. <laughs> All right. And just Nick. in case it's not clear, he is toddler dick because he has the dick the size of a toddler. Okay. I yeah, do yeah, not. Yeah. It's just a, it's an inside was joke that, from last episode. And dick 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 dick